Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots, episode 272. In this episode, we talk about when to use internal marketing emails, plus ways to manage multiple deal pipeline properties for your sales teams, plus the value of laziness, avoiding soft 404 errors from your knowledge base articles, and much, much more. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and now operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well, Ian, and enjoying being lazy. That's right. Which I thought we might chat about because, you know, last episode we had the lazy salesperson's cheat sheet to using HubSpot. And I think it occurred to us both that perhaps people don't realize the context we come to using the word lazy, right? And so in our past, which we'll chat about in a second, lazy is actually a good thing. It doesn't mean unprofessional or sloppy or, you know, dishonest or anything like that. Because you and I are both um, former developers, well, we're actually still developers in a way, but our, That's right. our backgrounds, um, you know, spend 10, 20 years um, developers as developers. There's this idea of the lazy developer. I've got some links in the show notes to this, by the way, so you can tell this has you know, been around for decades, this idea of the lazy developer. And it's this sense that if you've got something that needs to be done quickly, you give it to the laziest developer on the team. The reason being is because they've worked out efficiency and effectiveness. So definition of a lazy developer is normally someone that doesn't waste their time just doing to-do list items without thinking. They're very specific about what they do. And then anything that they can automate, they automate because that saves time and also reduces errors. So this idea of the lazy developer, it's been around for a while, as I said. So we took that context and we said, well, let's apply that to salespeople and we'll apply it to marketers in future episodes. This concept of just being really efficient and focused on the most important things. So just a little bit of uh, context there we thought we'd add um, in case you were wondering about <laughs> the title of that last week's show. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right. And actually what happened, Craig, was that somebody on a sales team actually asked me, he goes, have you got one of these lazy guides to HubSpot for salespeople? And that's what kind of triggered the whole thing with why we did what we did. And yes, it is he gave an example of they also have a cleaning business and he said this one guy did not get stressed and he sometimes seemed lazy but when he actually looked at him closely he actually had a very methodical way about the way he arranged his cleaning cart the order he did his jobs in and he was actually really super efficient and he just seemed the total opposite of the other person and so again reiterating what we were talking about it's being efficient and effective with your time. And that's why we chose to develop the guide. That's right. It's all based on output and results rather than perception of busyness, right? So, by the way, there's a quote. Bill Gates is often credited with this quote, but actually there's no, I can find no evidence that he actually ever said it, but you'll find heaps of quote sites that attribute it to him. But he says, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it. I think that's actually a good summary I don't think Bill Gates ever said it, but, you know, I kind of agree with the approach. That's right. On to our quick shots of the week. Here is actually one item we've noticed this week. It's the Conversations Inbox experience on the mobile app. It has changed a fair bit, so well worth checking that out. If you're not using the mobile app, I would encourage you to actually have a look at it, log in, get familiar with using it because it is improving by the week. So well worth having a look. 
And we will cover more things. We had an interesting question from someone at HubSpot this week saying, well, how do I contact people easily using the mobile app without having to search every contact? And we'll cover that in a later show when we we have a way to do it, but we're going to test it out and then let you know. All right, on to HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is really about understanding internal marketing emails and why we would use this as opposed to using the normal form submission emails that can get generated from a form submission. Yes, that's right. And we get this question from clients actually a fair bit where they don't understand why is this thing called an internal marketing email? It kind of just doesn't make sense. So I'll give you the scenario. The scenario is you want to send an internal notification, say, to a, a user on your team. Give you a recent example. Someone fills out a form on your website. They choose a location. Uh, it's one of the options on the form. Based on that location, whichever location they choose, you want to direct that contact to different people in the organization. So you don't want to just use the general form notification because that sends it to everyone that you're basically copying. The form notification goes to everyone or it goes to you and then you say, oh, well, now I've got to decide who to send it to. So instead, you actually want to use a workflow to route that contact to the right person. You might want to set their owner, uh, the contact owner on that contact, but then you want to send them an email that details all the fields that were on the form submission. Well, you use an internal marketing email. Now, we've got a screenshot in the show notes of the different actions in a workflow you could use. You could send, and here's where it gets confusing, there's two options, send internal email notification, which of course, if you didn't know otherwise, you'd go, oh, well, that's the one I want to send. And sure, you can, but what that does is just, it's a free text kind of email that you build within the workflow. Very simple and effective. So you might use that, but we almost never do. The second option is send internal marketing email. And you might go, well, that's not, doesn't word, use the word notification and internal marketing. I don't even know what that is. Turns out that's actually, it's actually a very similar email to you would build for an external marketing email. You know, you build those automation types. If you're in the email marketing, you're in the drag and drop builder, in the HubSpot, you might build an email and you save it either as a campaign to send now or at a scheduled time, or you save it for automation. Well, this is what you're going to do. You're going to create an email, save it for automation, but all the fields are probably going to be personalization tokens that were actually fields on that form submit. All right. I know it's sounding a little bit complex, but if you're following me so far, you're getting the concept here, right? And the beauty of that is because you're building it in the drag and drop builder in HubSpot, even though you're going to send it internally, you get all the nice formatting, styling, you can personalize. You can even, I think, use smart content and stuff within the email builder. So you build this nice notification email in the normal email builder in HubSpot, but then in the workflow, instead of choosing to send that externally, you just send it internally. So the difference, here's the summary, send internal marketing email the difference between that and the send email in workflow is just simply who you're sending it to. You can choose any of the marketing emails, but internal marketing email just means you're sending it to a user. Send email means you're sending it out to a contact. So I hope that kind of covers it. I know that's kind of hard to understand when someone's talking about it in your ear, but if you look at the show notes and follow notes there, you'll see it makes a lot more sense. The summary though is for internal notifications, we almost always use the send internal marketing email action in a workflow because we have absolute control over the email that gets sent internally. Yeah. So 
a few things you might want to do with that, that we often add in those internal marketing emails is we often put the source of the contact. So you can put the original source, drill down one and two, and now we have access to the latest source and you could add that in as the latest source, drill down one and two as well to understand if they have contacted you before, what has been the last interaction that got them to create, submit this form? So that's a really good tip, right? Which you're not going to get in a form notification. And the next thing to be aware of, if you don't have Marketing Pro or Enterprise, this will not work. So you need to make sure you have Marketing Professional or Enterprise to take advantage of this feature. All right, onto our HubSpot Sales Feature of the Week, Craig. And this is all came out of a discussion about people in businesses that have multiple pipelines and how to manage the collection of information and manage the different pipelines with information that's moving around and because they want different information in and then use that information through the deal process. So we wanted to highlight a few things about where you can be having these deal properties. So I'm going to start with, firstly, when you're creating a deal, the deal card, that is global, right? Even if you have 10 pipelines, you're going to see the same card globally. So just be aware of that. So have the information that you want to collect that is across all of those pipelines. You can collect it on this deal creation card. And you'll see an example of there. There's a particular field we've got in ours, which says what the next step is. And that's the same across every pipeline. And, and you'll see that in the screenshot. The next thing is there are deal side bar cards. And this is based on teams or conditional properties that are available. Again, you need to either have marketing, actually you need to have enterprise, you need to have enterprise of a product to have see this happen. And this makes sure that you can show particular cards based on which pipeline it's in, or maybe what stage of the pipeline, and you can decide what shows and when it shows. So that's a really great feature that's available to you. The next thing that's probably more important is the deal pipeline mandatory fields. Now, this is where you set in the deal stages as as items move between stages, what properties must be filled out. So in our example, we say in our stage where it says we request, we've got a quote request received, we must put an amount. So it can't proceed to the next one. It can't be created unless the amount's in there and they've got some notes. So they've got to do that before they move it. And so this can be set on a per pipeline basis. That's the big thing. So that's a good overview of three different areas. I might just explain a a use case for a recent client because I know listeners love hearing actual real life use cases. So I won't mention what field they're in, but they've got a number of different pipelines. One is a standard sales pipeline. It's, yeah, just talking with a contact at a company, uh, the normal sales process. And this is what most businesses would have. They've got a second one, which is an upsell. So this is our existing clients. We want to upsell or cross-sell another product. Third is replying to tenders. So that's an RFP pipeline. So you can see with those three, there's different fields that they'd want on each. So with an RFP or a tender process, in that pipeline, there's a whole bunch of dates that are really important to that deal. So they need fields for entering those in. But if you're just doing a cross-sell, you don't need many of those fields, right? It's a totally different kind of approach that you're working. So they're saying, right, for the tender ones, the RFP deals, what about all those dates? Do we put that on the create card? 
And we're saying, well, no, you don't, because that's global and it'll appear on every deal. Whenever someone creates any kind of deal for whatever pipeline, they'll see all these dates and they won't know. Okay, so don't put it there. Right. Should we put it in these left-hand sidebar cards and make it conditional? Yes, that's a good place to put it because then they can view it on a deal and then see it and hide if it's not relevant to them. If you're just on a normal cross-sell, you don't need to see those, so that card can be hidden. But then the third thing, which you covered lately, uh, lastly in, uh, of those three, is the important properties you can make mandatory when they go through uh, pipeline stages. So for the RFP pipeline, sales pipeline, that's where they make those deal properties mandatory on the first stage going through. So there's a really nice way to manage it. Uh, You've got a lot of flexibility there with deal management and the properties, and you can tailor that using those three different areas for your sales teams. And coming this quarter is your ability to add decimals in quotes and product line items. And this has been a popular feature request and it looks like it's going to be coming this quarter. Oh, finally, it's so long overdue. By the way, I'll give you an example of this. Let's say you're selling services and you want to sell someone 1.5 hours of time. You can't because there only can be one or two at the moment in a line items. So decimals, looking forward to that. Perfect. On to our HubSpot Service Feature of the Week. And this is something that we discovered with one of our clients because they were looking at Google Search Console and they saw errors saying, here's a 404 error. And they called it a soft 404 error, which kind of got Craig and myself going, what is this and how do we fix it? And what we discovered is that most likely on this knowledge base article, it's essentially these client sells lots of machines and it was a machine. And so they've got YouTube videos about how to change brushes, how to clean things. So it's basically a title and the video and that's pretty much it. And then if they need any further help. So it's very skinny with content when we talk about content in the true sense of words on a page. And we discovered that one of the reasons this would happen is that the page has little to no content. And so when Google looks at it, it goes, hang on, there's actually, it's just a YouTube video, it's a title and that's it. So it basically says, I'm not going to make this page be found and I'm going to ignore it in the search results. So one of the things we were thinking was, is how do we fix this? And so what we were thinking, you could use a service like rev.com, get the video transcribed and put the transcription below the video so people are watching they can also scan through the text, but also gives Google the opportunity to understand, hey, this is not a small piece of content that's not valuable. It's actually super valuable because people coming to the knowledge base want the answers, but also give it gives it more chance to be found in the search with Google. All right. On to Hustle Gotcha of the Week. Tell me, Craig, what got you this week? Last week, you showed me the insert proposed times function that Google, they've put in G Suite. So you create an email and in the show notes, I've got an example, I'm, I'm creating, composing a new message to you, Ian. And then because I've got the HubSpot add-on or whatever it's called in Chrome enabled, I can go insert proposed times. It's beautiful because it looks at my calendar and finds when I've got free time and I can just select those, tick, tick, tick and go, okay, insert them into the email and then send it, let's say I'm sending it to you in, and then you get a nice email that has, oh, these times that I can, you can book in with me. So really good. And, uh, you know, the team is starting to use it. Um, now it all worked for me, but other people on the team are like, oh, when I try to use it, it pops up, but it doesn't show me my calendar. 
And so the first step, we're like, oh, well, have you actually connected your calendar? So you've got meetings. Yep, we've got meetings, you know, meetings, uh, HubSpot meetings on the sales. That all works. This is not working. Anyway, we found in the settings, general settings for calendar, there's actually two calendar connections. The first is your normal one, which most people have probably connected their Google Calendar into HubSpot for meetings. But then there's a second one under it. And we got this screenshot in the show notes called Manage Calendar Sync. And that wasn't actually connected. So once we connected that, then it became available, that insert proposed times. So a little gotcha there. And I think this might catch a bunch of people out. They would have seen that. It looks like it's there. Also, the other thing that does annoyingly is when you go insert proposed times for a second, it flashes up and shows your calendar, but then it takes it away. So other people on the team were like, oh, hang on, what's not working? What? Anyway, that was the setting. So I'm pretty sure other people would have been caught out by that. Check it out, shot six. But I have to say, I love the new feature. I've been using it's it a such, lot. It's so good. It's such a good feature. And in saying that, we've actually put a YouTube video where we take you through how to use the meeting sync with your Google or Office 365 calendar and what to look out for to make that happen. So well worth checking that out. And we'd love your feedback. All right. Inside of the week, Craig, cookie settings affecting attribution. And this was... We have a customer that we've been working with on HubSpot Coaching, and this is one of the things that they've been trying to solve, and we've kind of been diving and trying to understand what was going wrong. So I'm going to let you talk about it because mm. you spend a lot of time with HubSpot support and digging in to finding out why attribution is not working. Yeah, so this is specifically around Facebook attribution. They do a lot of social. They're actually in retail. They do a lot of social on Facebook and Instagram. And we're seeing the traffic come through via HubSpot ads. So that's tracking okay, yet we're not getting attribution against deals and therefore revenue. And so actually it looks like Facebook sending tons of traffic, not actually causing any conversions. They know anecdotally if they stop Facebook advertising, sales drop precipitously. If they increase it again, it comes back. So there's a disconnect here. What's not working? And I just want to tell you one of the little things, there's a whole bunch of things. I, I kind of feel, Ian, we're experts on Facebook attribution now, but one of the little things, and this is, well, actually not one of the little things, one of the tiny settings that had a massive impact is cookie settings. And I really want to shout out to Mun on the HubSpot technical support team who very patiently went through with us over quite a number of days digging into this the fact that actually cooking settings are fundamental to this. And the reason is a lot of the Facebook traffic comes in-app. People are on mobile and you're in Facebook, you see an ad, you click through, and that's the in-app browser. Now, when you're in that browser, especially on iOS, on iPhone, the tracking's disabled and they had cookies, the cookie policy enabled. So it's popping up saying, do you want to accept cookies? Most people are probably just ignoring that. Or they then go, look, I'll go out to Safari or I'll come back later on my brand. So that cookie tracking, and this is the thing, if you have the cookie policy on, it will not actually do any of the tracking unless you've accepted the cookies. So what we're seeing is people, a huge number of people are ending up indirect as an attribution source instead of Facebook, either paid social or organic social. So what's the solution to this? Well, it depends on where you're located. Now in Australia... There is actually no legal requirement for cookie pop-ups, the cookie consent pop-ups. We've covered this many times on the show before. And in fact, we only learned this, well, I think a couple of years ago, 
when the whole privacy policy came out and cookies, we did actually enable, I've got a screenshot, we actually had cookie policies on our show, uh, turned them off years ago, because in Australia, you, you don't need them. And in fact, I think in a lot of countries around the world, you don't need them, but everyone assumes you do. So get legal advice, of course, for your location, but turn them off. That's the answer. Turn off those damn cookie pop-ups. Half the time they're not needed. They're annoying anyway. Everyone hates them. They don't actually achieve anything with regard to privacy. I'm pretty sure anyone that is concerned about privacy has their own ad blocker extension anyway. So these cookie policies, everyone knows they're a complete waste of time. They're frustrating. They're rubbish. But turn them off. Get legal advice for your particular locations and turn them off. And then your Facebook attribution and other social attributions suddenly starts appearing the whole problem we want to avoid is so much direct traffic, which you can't tell, get it out of direct traffic and get it back into the original source, so organic social or paid social. So that's the uh, solution, turn it off. Now, what do you do if you're not in, uh, or you legally do have to do it? Well, you're in a much tougher situation and we don't really have a solution for that. And in fact, Ian, we might actually have to enable it for the HubShot site, which does have a global audience. So we might actually need to re-enable policies, not in Australia, I'm going to not annoy Australians with it, but in some countries, European and maybe California and that, we might actually have to re-enable this cookie pop-up. So to listeners in those locations, I just want to apologize. If you do visit the the show notes each week or, or the site, then sorry, you might actually see pop-ups. I apologize in advance. Uh, apparently that's privacy. That's progress in privacy, Ian. That's right, but well worth understanding, especially when you're trying to attribute all of your marketing spend on different platforms to make sure that they're working. So I want to say thank you, Craig, for diving deep and thank you to Moon from HubSpot Technical Support. All right, let's go to the frustration of the week, Craig. It probably sounded like I was having a bit of a rant about cookies, and I was, and it kind of has a solution, turn it off. But this time, I, I just want to come back to CMS Starter and the 15-page limit on CMS Hub Starter. This is, it's so frustrating. We talked about this back in episode 256, but, you know, months ago. I just don't understand it. And it's, it's having material impact on my business. I don't know if it's on yours, but we've lost three deals where HubSpot CMS Starter is just a perfect fit for clients. And yet this 15-page limit just knocks them out. So in two of the cases, they had, I think they had like 18 and 19 pages. Oh, no, can't use it. Oh, well, we make some of them landing pages, you know, not as good and they won't look as great, but can, no. So they went, with, they went to WordPress. And then we actually had someone with less than 15 pages, so they could have done it. But they're like, oh, the 15-page limit, no, that's scary. It puts them off. So even though they might never go over 15 pages, just the thought that there's this limit and they could be locked in and then have to move, it just... And the step up from starter to pro is a significant price increase. So when you're down at that level, they're just like, nah. So they're going back to WordPress, right? I'm just like, oh my goodness. It's so frustrating. All I want to be able to do is buy extra packs of pages. You know, start with 15 pages. Oh, you've got another 10, great. Just put a little upgrade pack, I don't know, 10, 20 bucks a month. Just an add-on. That's all I want. I don't know if it's coming. I don't think it is. And the, th- the reason I'm mentioning this, I'm like, oh, I just don't know why they've made this decision. And I asked them last year on a partner call, I said, where's this limit from? And at the time they said, oh, we actually analyzed all our portals and the typical portal size was under 15 pages. And that's how they came apparently. Like, I don't know how true that is or whether someone was just telling me that on the call. It was actually a HubSpot person said that on the call. But I'm like, 
But but that's so. You, you mean you only looked at HubSpot portals? You didn't actually look at non-Hubs. Like, how do you actually get that data? Do you have any data from people about deals they've lost? I don't know how they would get it. It's probably hard unless they hear me. You know, people like me whinging about it on a show like this, or they're getting feedback. I don't know. But it's such an opportunity. I wish they'd take it. And when I was look uh, thinking about this, I was thinking, man, this whole approach. It's like that. Abraham Wald's anecdote, World War II. You've probably seen this where they analyzed the, the fighter jets coming back Correct. in World War II. And they're like, oh, they looked at all, where all the bullet holes were. And oh, look, I, everyone probably knows the story, but they, they wanted to be efficient with armor on the plane. So they're like, oh, we won't put armor where it's not needed. And so they looked at the bullet holes and they went, oh, wow, lots of bullet holes on the wings. So they need armor. Ah, oh, these planes that came back, no bullet holes in the engines. Oh, well. We don't need armor for the engines. And of course, as people know, a very famous story, one analyst came in and said, oh, actually, you're thinking about this wrong because you're only looking at the planes that came back. Where do you think the bullet holes were on all the planes that didn't come back? Probably in the engines, right? So you know where you should be putting more armor? Putting them on the engines, right? So that's the anecdote. I'm sure everyone knows that. I just kind of felt like if you're basing your decision about the 15-page limit just on portals you're looking at, they're like the planes that came back. Are you actually analyzing the planes that didn't come back? All the lost deals on HubSpot CMS starter. So look, just want to have a, uh, a rant about that. Why would I mention this on the show when there's actually no solution? Well, I'm really interested in if listeners have had this same problem. Please reply or I don't know, is there a community thing we should upvote? Give feedback to HubSpot because if I'm the only one that thinks this is a problem, okay. But I'm sure there's others and there's such an untapped market there that we could really embrace and help if we could just expand um, starter with add-on packs. Anyway, I'll finish the rant there. The action item or the takeaway is please let HubSpot know if you agree. All right, on to our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Steve Jobs and it says, your work is going to fill a large part of your life and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you will know when you find it. I thought that was a great quote. I think it's a good quote. You know, I'll, I'll add to this because I don't think people need to know what their passion in life is. You know how some people say, oh, I've always wanted to do such and such. And then the rest of us are like, oh, I don't know. I didn't know for years. You've actually got to find it. And so when he says you've got to do what you love, yeah, you've got to find it. You might not innately know. Just do lots of stuff get lots of skills, work really hard, and over time it'll become apparent what you love doing. All right, we've got our training of the week and this is to get certified in email marketing and this is a HubSpot Academy course, which is actually a certification course and it has nine lessons, 28 videos, nine quizzes, takes about three and a half hours to do. But I think it's a really valuable course in understanding because email is so much a part of every day in life. Like I just don't know any company that's not doing email marketing, right? So well worth getting on top of that and being certified. The other one I discovered was another great person to follow on LinkedIn is Kyle Jepson, who has some great videos about product updates, which he seems to do in his lounge room. But you know what? I like that it's real and I like that he's giving examples and he's always getting better. But uh, well worth following Kyle on LinkedIn. I agree with that. I've seen this for a while. I'm not really on LinkedIn, so I actually don't see them as, as many as I should. But we all love Kyle. Yeah, here at Zen, his little tips and videos. So I'm glad we're, we should have given him a shout out earlier. Have we not talked about him before on the show? We, we haven't, Craig. Oh man, that is a oversight right there. Sorry, Kyle. 
But Kyle, thank you for sharing those videos and uh, keeping everybody in the HubSpot community informed. We love it. Thank you. And finally, if you want HubSpot coaching, feel free to go to hubshots.com and sign up and get on the wait list for the coaching. And on the next show, I believe, Craig, we're going to talk a lot about call to actions. So I'm going to put it out there because that's what we're going to do next. And it has come out of a place where I have been getting some coaching myself. And one of the things I needed to work on was copywriting to make my copy better. And so what I did was I signed up for some training, which I just started this week. And out of that, one of the clear actions was a call to actions. And so we were discussing before we started this episode. So I think it'll be one of those things where we will just focus purely on how to do great call to actions and improve your conversion. Because really, when we're thinking about um, HubSpot and about what we're doing, there are kind of three things. There's traffic, there's conversion, and there's economics of all of this. Can we make that flywheel spin faster? So if we can get one of these parts correct, we will increase the velocity of our sales and marketing. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to seeing you next week. See you next week, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.